You're listening to the CXMH Podcast. CXMH is a podcast at the intersection of faith and mental health. Hey, welcome back to the show. My name is Robert Vore, and I'm one of your hosts, and I'm joined as always by my wonderful co-host, Dr. Holly Oxhandler. Aww. Hey, Holly. Hey, Robert. On today's episode, we talk with Matthew Paul Turner about how children's books can shape our view of God, why he's so passionate about serving kids and families through writing children's books, and hear some questions from some of Matthew's younger fans as a a fun mm-hmm. tease for some things to come. But first, <laughs> Holly, how are you this week? I'm doing all right. I'm doing well. We're, you know, uh, Baylor has officially started the semester and it is cold in Waco. And I am get to be here with you right now recording this yeah. intro. So yeah, how are you doing? I'm I'm good. I'm good. Uh, glad to be uh, back in the swing of of the season and everything like yeah. that. Uh, loved this episode. Loved this conversation. Obviously with with Matthew, who uh, I know we both just love and have yes. have loved for a while. Yep. But then, yeah, I had had a pretty good week. Uh, played in some snow last weekend and stuff like that. That's right. Uh, made a yes, tiny little did. snowman. Um, and so that was definitely fun. But if it's going to be cold, it might as well at least snow, maybe. Yeah. Is kind of my right. my take on it. So doing well. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. I know. Good. I think you were just saying, just because I love this analogy, uh, you were trying to find something on your computer. You said, yes. I have so many tabs open. And that yep. being kind of the analogy for how many things are happening right now, you know, when you're like flipping back and forth, like, what do I focus on? Where's where's yes. that information in my brain? So uh, a yes. little bit of that. I have a lot of tabs open, Holly. Yes. I have a lot of tabs yes. open. Me yeah. too, my friend. Me too. There are, yeah. um, and there's a lot of really good things happening too. Like, I know Baylor just announced the um, the big grant that we that my uh, my colleagues and I just received from the John Templeton Foundation, and so that's been super exciting and like kind of getting that up and running. And actually, just before I hopped on uh, the call, I um, or our, our intro, I um, just got off the phone with a local pastor who is gonna is creating space for me to do a book study in Waco starting this yeah. weekend. So that's really fun and exciting and. You know, there's just just some fun things happening, but yes, there are quite a bit of tabs that are open right now. So yeah, and, yeah. And well, speaking we of are. your book, we'll uh, I'll throw kind of the obligatory go pre-order Holly's book. Aww. You still have some time to do yeah. that, so definitely do that. That link is in the show notes. Uh, and again, you can go listen to episode 143 from last season with Holly about that. But Aww, you know, just to you. throw that out there. But I did also want to mention since you were speaking about Baylor, I know. Baylor got R1 status, which yes, we, we talked did. about last week, but the mm-hmm. intro that we recorded because it was our first one back, it was 19 minutes long. So yeah. uh, I uh, <laughs> I was a little bit ruthless in uh, editing that intro. So that is totally uh, if anyone okay, listened my friend. to last week's intro, if it felt like it was skipping some, that's because I cut big, big, huge chunks out. Big chunks. Um, yeah. Yes. But, we were so um, excited to dive back in and record these intros. And man, I mean, we yeah. had a lot to catch up on. So Yeah, which we did yeah. and folks got to hear some chunk of it. But uh, just a, and, a yeah. shout out and congratulations <laughs> on uh, whatever it is that R1 status means. And folks can go read the thing about that. I know there was a an announcement that you had posted about it and, and 
learn more about that if if they so choose. Um, oh, thank you, but friends. I know that's really exciting for a lot of people and took took hard work and stuff like that. And I know I know you love research, so yes, I do. Thank you, thank you. Yeah. Well, Holly, I had a question. Mm-hmm. I'm curious if there are any specific books from when you were a child that you remember really loving. And the second part of that question is, did they show back up that you now read to your kids or anything like that? Oh my gosh. So that was like actually almost identical to the question that I was going to ask you if I Aha, was going to be the go. one asking. I know. <laughs> Check that out. Um, so the book that is coming to mind right now is there's this book called Nora's Star. Actually, there's a few of them, but Nora's Stars is the first one that I'm thinking of. Um, hmm. That one I remember my grandmother reading to me when I was little and I dug around and was able to find it. I don't think that they're still making it anymore, but you know, Mm. thank goodness for um, like Etsy and all the sites that like find the things that are no longer being printed. And so, um, so I was able to get a copy of that, but yeah, that, and there's a bunch of the little golden books that I remember as a kid that, yeah, with the um, little golden spine. Yes. Little, I think yeah. it's the Fuzzy Duckling was the one that I think my mom said that was the first book that I like read all the way through. Ooh, and so, but both of my kids love that. So anyway, yeah. so those are a couple, but what about That's you? Awesome. Yeah. I, uh, I can't remember chill, like kids books. I don't think I, mm-hmm. I have a lot of memories of like, uh, maybe elementary school type of like uh, the Magic Treehouse. I don't know if you ever read Magic Treehouse, like that whole I don't series. Think I remember so. things like that. Okay, it's 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 definitely above like like I wouldn't read it to Gray right now, but it's like you know a kind of a elementary school you would read it to yourself type mm-hmm. of you know as a whole series. But the the one thing I do remember, and I only remember this because. Gray has a book. We got a bunch of Brooks old books from when she was a kid, and he had he has one that is about a dinosaur named Tyrone. Ooh. And it as we were reading it the first time, you know, whatever a year and a half ago or something, I was like this seems kind of familiar but kind of not, and I had to look it up and apparently there's a couple of them. So what I was remembering is a different one, but it's like the same series or author or whatever. So it's the same little dinosaur who has huh. a bully named Tyrone or whatever. And I remember we had my mom had um cassettes that like read it out loud. Right, yes. like audio tapes or whatever. Um, but we put in a little cassette cassettes. player. Yes. <laughs> right. You could put it in, you press play, and it would beep whenever you needed to turn the page. So oh, I could like follow so along fun. myself. So it would, uh-huh. it, you know, it would read it and then it would beep and I would turn the little page. And I remember that pretty specifically to this, you know, Tyrone dinosaur book. So uh, oh that's gosh. the only one. And Gray has, like I said, a, a one of Brick's old ones that's a, a the same, you know, the same little dinosaur having a different adventure uh-huh. or whatever. So it's like adjacent enough that it triggered that memory. And I was like, oh, wait. And so I, I had to call my mom and be like, did we have a book about a dinosaur named Tyrone? Oh she was like, yep, I know exactly what you're talking about. So, oh my um, gosh. I love yeah. that. That's so fun. So what's that been like reading or have you read it to Gray or you said you're no, not I need to f- yet? I okay. need to find the specific one, the same one or whatever. Uh-huh. They, I guess they're probably at my parents' house. I haven't I haven't looked. Um but I haven't found the we haven't I haven't gotten gotten that specific one, but reading the other one has definitely been interesting at least. I don't know, it's fun awesome. to think about potentially him like reading along to something and obviously it wouldn't be a cassette, you know, nowadays. Um yeah. but you know, we're like three three technologies past that. Uh, yeah. But, you know, uh, I don't know. It's, it, 
it'll, it'll be fun when he can read along with things by himself and, and whatnot, because I know he likes doing that, you know, with yeah. us and turning the pages and stuff. So That's so fun. I love that. Well, I would love to hear when uh, Grace starts reading about this dinosaur and how yeah. that goes. That's awesome. Yeah. I yeah. Well, uh, the the segue there obviously is that we are joined on this week's episode with Matthew Paul Turner, who uh, I know he's a, a friend of both of ours. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I've, I've definitely known of his work for a while from back before he wrote children's books, which yeah. uh, we'll talk about in the interview. But he's he's the author of a lot of amazing children's books what is god like when god made you when i pray for you when god made light all the all the colors of christmas right like all these phenomenal books i mean he's a number one new york times best-selling mm-hmm. children's author so well we will get out of the way and let y'all listen to our interview with matthew paul turner all right enjoy y'all Today, we have Matthew Paul Turner joining us. He is a number one New York Times bestselling children's author. He's the author of many books, including What is God Like, When God Made You, When I Pray for You, When God Made Light, When God Made the World, All the Colors of Christmas, and so many more. He's also an accomplished photographer and journalist, including documenting National Geographic's The Story of God with Morgan Freeman. And he lives in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, and when the father of three isn't writing books, he's photographing, he's photographing, excuse me, interesting people and places, um, <laughs> practicing wood carving and watching his children play soccer. Matthew, I'm so glad you're here with us today. Thank you yeah. for joining us. I am excited to be here. I have been looking forward to this. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, the of feeling course. is so mutual. And as you will hear in a bit, there are other little ones who are really looking forward to this as well. So, <laughs> so awesome. um, is there anything that we missed in that bio or that intro that you want to share as well? No, you, you, I mean, I think you covered it. Like, I think that was a beautiful thing. So thank oh, you well, for thank that you. wonderful, lovely intro. Yes. Well, <laughs> Thank you for um, the sketch of it that I was able to find. <laughs> um, now, and there's so many more amazing things that we could say, but I know we're going to get to dive into so much of the good work that you do in today's conversation. Thank so, you. Yeah. yeah. So I would love to hear, so actually, before you started writing children's books, you wrote uh non-children's books i was gonna say like adult <laughs> books. books i guess i yeah, don't know adult, first... <laughs> adult non-fiction i know it's sure, kind of funny right. you can't say just like, I, I wrote like adult books I wrote yeah adult. that sounds <laughs> yeah um mm. but the, the first book of yours i actually ever read was our great big american god yeah. which was back before kind of oh, that wow. shift so i'm curious about kind of the backstory obviously of becoming an author but then how you ended up transitioning into writing children's books, especially because you're, you seem to be incredibly good at it. Mm. Um, but I, mm-hmm. you know, I enjoyed your books before anyway. So tell, tell us a little bit about how that happened. Well, I kind of tripped into writing. I, um, I somehow found myself um, uh, being the editor of a Christian music magazine when I was uh, 28, 29. And it was not, I I did not go to school for writing. I went to school for music business, but because of my music business degree, um, the 
the publication took a chance on me and it was like, I mean, I was way in over my head. So that's a long story. But the one thing that I realized (laughs) in that position I had that I was at for three, three years was that I, I could write and that I had a, I had a voice that I could easily put down on paper. And so um, when I, uh, when I left that job, uh, writing was something that I just sort of naturally fell into. And I uh, started writing books. Um, I, I wrote my first two books for Relevant Books back when Relevant Magazine had a, hmm. a book division. And uh, because my first book, which was called The C- Christian Culture Survival Guide, it was a um, it was unique enough in the sense of how it was uh, presented that it sort of sparked other publishers to kind of contact me and want me to write a book about you know, another book about Christianity or a book about, you know, sex and a book about money. And and some of these books, like I literally would not want anyone to go back and read, but I, I mean, you know, they, I, I, I just sort of became a writer. So, but it wasn't mm. until 2008, I started writing in 2004, 2008, um, I re- released my very first, like the book that kind of like, I really wanted to write from the very beginning. And it was called Churched. And it was a memoir of my growing up in Christian fundamentalism. And uh, from there, I did, you know, a a follow up to that book called Hear No Evil, which was my connection to music and the church and Christian music and and whatnot. And uh, and then I yeah, I you you mentioned um, our great big American God, which um, was I, I like I've of all the books that I've written, I probably am most proud of that book as far as a, mm. from a, the books that I wrote like in the adult nonfiction world. Um, but as I was releasing that book, I, um, the, my publisher that I was, that I wrote it for got into a war with Amazon and huh. Amazon you know, I, I sold out all the copies that that were available on Amazon and then Amazon didn't restock until the war was over. <laughs> so, oh my goodness. So I wow. literally, that was the last book that I wrote for adults, mostly because I was exhausted by the process. Mm-hmm. I was, I, I didn't honestly think that I was going to write, I was going to have to find something else that I was going to do. Meanwhile, Jessica, uh, my former wife, uh, and I had decided to put together a children's book idea. Um, and it, it, at that time, it was it, we self-published it. And because I had gotten, um, I had, you know, at the same time as this book came out, I got 11 no's from publishers for my children's book. Nobody wanted oh, to publish wow. me. And at, and at that point, oh. I was sort of, a, I, was, I was seen as a, as a lightning rod in the Christian, you know, in Christian blogging world, I guess, um, people didn't know what to do with me. I had a, you know, my online moniker was Jesus needs new PR and people like I had people Mm. ask if they could put Jessica's name on the children's book to see well, you know, Mm -hmm. to, to kind of like, um, make it more palpable, I guess. Anyway, we ended up self-publishing it and we ended up, Printing, we printed 5,000 copies and I think we sold 4,800 within six months, which brought one of those publishers back to the table and they said, yes, let's do your next book. And so um, the reason why I decided to go into 
writing children's books. Number one, um, Jessica just kept saying, you need to write children's books. Like there was just something she kept telling me I needed, this is what I needed to do. The other thing is, is that when I, whenever I would read children's books about faith to my kids, I always found myself like self-editing the, the <laughs> words or the content prior yes. to really, you know, mm-hmm. reading it. And, you know, it, 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 it wasn't that these books were terrible. They were just, um, they, like sometimes they would like go into a theology that I didn't agree with, or I was didn't think that my kid was ready for, or the, sometimes they, they had just awkward presentation of whatever it was they were talking about. It's like, I just found myself, you know, doing switching words or skipping pages or whatever. And I just, there was, a, I guess I was mm. just cocky enough to think that I could potentially write uh, a book that, would be both spiritual and also exciting or interesting or mm-hmm. um, hopeful. And, you know, when, uh, as a kid, I think rhyming was one of those things that I, I mean, I carried a notebook around from age 13 to, you know, 18, where I was constantly writing poetry or song lyrics or something. So rhyming was something that I really enjoyed. Like I liked the process. Um, and so it mm-hmm. kind of like, I, you know, I, I wrote some really terrible rhymes in the beginning. Um, but finally I came to the, I came to this idea about God making light and what that meant and how that, like, what would that look like? How could I how could I describe that in a way that would be, you know, both exciting, but also transition into the part of, of us being light um, and mm-hmm. God making, you know, putting light inside us. And so um, I worked on that, that idea for, I guess, oh gosh, it was four or five months at least. And it somehow that, that idea connected and then after that, I started working on When God Made You, believing that I would probably have to, I'd probably have to self-publish again. <laughs> um, but mm. but a publisher came back and said, okay, this is one that we want to do. And let's, so let's do it. So. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So does, I I don't, that. does that answer the question? <laughs> so, oh my yeah. gosh. <laughs> yeah. I love it. No, absolutely. And it's so, I love hearing kind of the arc of, you know, not only, you know, how you became an author, but then how you transitioned from those, you know, adult books or whatever into the the children's books and like just that, that journey. And, and even to hear that authenticity and the wobbliness of like, I don't know. And, you know, Jessica's really pushing me into this and like, just trying to think through, I just, I love hearing that backstory yeah. so much. That's so beautiful. And I, I want to, gosh, there's so many directions I want to go into this, but I'm going to try to kind of stick with some of the questions that I had set out. Um, so, and yeah, I'll, I'll add to a couple of them in a bit, but I will say it is really clear through your writing and through your presence overall that you do have this heart for serving kids. And even if, you know, from what I'm hearing from you, you know, even if initially you were writing these books for an older audience, um, the ways that you have transitioned into writing these children's books and um, the ways that you are serving kids, but families in general, um, adults, and I mean, in so many different ways, 
it's so evident in your writing and in your presence. And so I'd love to hear you talk a little bit about this passion that you have for um, serving kids and and how that's kind of shaped and kind of evolved over the years in your writing. Well, I think my under my own understanding of it has even evolved. Like I um of like of of the passion behind it because um you know when I first started it was basically I I thought that I could potentially that 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 there was a need within our like faith based publishing world for better children's books and that if given the chance I could potentially fill fill a void or fill a spot um that I that I recognized you know and and mm-hmm. I wasn't sure that I that that was true for the publishing world but I felt like that that was that there was something that I had that could at least maybe fill a need that was present that I saw in the faith publishing world. And, and I, and I wanted my kids to have a better introduction to God than I had. And so the, with those two things, you know, kind of like, um, you know, coming, uh, coming together, I set out to do this. I think now that I have, you know, once I got into it, I, I realized how much joy I, I felt writing books that talked about faith and God and hope for kids. Mm -hmm. Like I, I, I mean, it's a passion. Like I, I, you know, how, how can I give families and children uh, the gift of, of a healthy and happy relationship with God that I wasn't given or I didn't have access Mm. to as a kid. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I think these books in many ways have been healing and redemptive in some way for me um, Mm -hmm. because it has sort of redeemed my own story of, you know, I I mean, when I was a kid, I was in junior church and I had like, I had a Sunday school teacher burn burn a Barbie to explain hell to me. And I was in second grade. And so like, I mean, so I had a pretty, you know, traumatic uh, experience growing mm-hmm, up in church. Mm-hmm. So like, and, and while I, you know, that might seem weird and out of the regular stories of what other people experience, it's, I, I know that other people have had similar or at least hard or difficult upbringings in the church. And so I know that there is a, there, you know, there's a lot of people raising kids now who have been truly hurt by their mm-hmm. introduction to God or their experience mm-hmm. with God inside the church. And so to, you know, like when I'm writing, I feel I'm writing to, I'm writing to my own kids. I'm writing to mm. the child in me. I'm writing to the kids that, you know, read my books and, but I'm also writing to their parents. You know, I've had, and, and, and it's funny how people, have taken like I the one thing that surprised me about this whole journey um, is that the I, I did not have any full understanding of how significant a children's book can be in the life of a person. Like I really, mm. 
Like I, I yeah. knew, I knew how I enjoyed children's books. I knew the, how I like, certainly I could point to a, several favorites as a, you know, that when I think about them, but like, I didn't fully grasp that that was a thing that I, that, that people, that children's books can go places that other books and other ideas and other pieces of art will never go. And mm-hmm. it's, um, so I, I feel like I've, I've leaned into that a little more. Like I've leaned into the idea that not, and, and, and it's, it, and you have to walk, like I, for me, I, I have to like balance this. Okay. Knowing that I have a, believing that I have a gift that God has given me that I can do this, but also embracing all of that with humility. And so it is, um, uh, it's been a, it's been a really cool journey to see, just to find so much life in the art of doing what I do and, and, and yeah. developing confidence mm. in it. Like, you know, I, I, yeah. I, I, and I think that's been the, the, the bigger part of the journey for me is like, say, you know, cause I would like, if somebody were to come in and edit a, a book idea of mine, or they would recommend, I would always take their recommendation. Okay. Yeah. That sounds good. Or mm, it, unless it was like mm-hmm. outside of my theology or whatever, but like for the most part, I was always like, yeah, no, that sounds good. I can do that. I, I can make that happen. Uh, but I'm finally mm-hmm. stepping into the idea that I, that I, that I, I, that I can feel confident in my task or in my writing journey and believe that believe that I can say no to other people's edits of my work, that it doesn't mean that I don't listen. I listen and I take it all in, but I can say yes to some and, and I can also say no to some. That's so good. Well, I love hearing about that confidence that has grown over time. And I'm so grateful for it because your voice, it absolutely is a gift within our world. And then I know I've told you this many times, but especially within our home, like your book is like the most heavily on rotation book in our nighttime reading routine. Um, And yeah, so we are, I mean, the Ox Handlers are super grateful and I know there are lots of other families who are as well. I was, I was going to say, I uh, read, I read uh, When God Made You. So we read that one and When I Pray Mm -hmm. For You, but I was reading When God Made You to my son Gray a couple nights ago. And I said, Hey, did you know daddy actually knows the the guy who made this book and I'm talking to him next week. And he was like, okay, whatever. Cause he's, he's (laughs) I was like, I think this is cool. Like, so we, uh, we love those too. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, yeah. it is, um, like I said, it has been a surprising part of the journey to, to see how people have connected to it and connected to the ideas. And, you know, I have received so many emails about when I, when God made you in particular about how it has changed a family's perspective mm-hmm. about who God is and how God works in our life and how God delights in us and how we talk about God to our kids. And and then I've had parents talk to me about like, you know, when I pray for you being a a lesson for them in how to pray for their kids. And and I and I and like I, I mean and in all honesty, I didn't go into writing when I pray for you thinking that this was going to be mm. a teaching tool for parents to learn about, you know, how to pray. I, I, that was not, that was the furthest thing from my mind. I 
mm-hmm. really kind of just glean, you know, uh, the words came from just my own experience of how I think about my own children and how I, you know, am constantly, oh, you know, overwhelmed by the, the need to think and speak and hope good words over them. Yeah, I actually, uh, so uh, this wasn't in our our show doc or anything, but I've actually, I've had this conversation with my wife, Brooke, before that um, there are times when if if the evening is going super poorly, you know, and and, uh, particularly Gray, obviously our our new daughter is too young to like do lots of the same kind of grumpy things that a three-year-old does. But sometimes when I'm like really frustrated and whatnot, I'll pick that book on purpose to read to our son as a way for myself to be like, okay, listen, I'm going to, I believe these things are true. And this is going to help me relax and like remind me of actually how amazing you are and how much I do believe all these things. And it like helps me kind of come around in the three minutes or whatever it takes to read uh, to like a a softer place, I think, in terms of if it's been really frustrating Mm -hmm. so that I can kind of, you know, say goodnight on with a little bit better mood and, you know, kind of just as like a reminder to myself. And um, I think I think that's really cool, too, that obviously I believe that it it matters that he hears all that. Mm -hmm. But then also for me, sometimes in those moments, I'm like, actually, I really need I really need these reminders right now as well um, to help me like be the parent that I want to be. Sometimes I do too. And I wrote the book. So like, like, Mm. I mean, you know, I need to, (laughs) I need to be reminded of, you know, of those, of, of, of of the goodness and all of this, because it's, you know, parent, parenting is overwhelming. And I think that, um, Mm -hmm. you know, the, the, the other thing that was, you know, a, something that certainly was on my mind as I was, when, when I started writing children's books is this idea of, of being exhausted when, when it's time to have that good night or that, that, you know, um, that bedtime experience with your kid and you are what, you know, they're wanting you to read eight books and you settle on (laughs) two and you say, you know, you, you put a length Mm -hmm. on, you know, a length limit on them. I mean, you know, it's, it's hard sometimes to read some of the books that we have to read at bedtime. And so I wanted, like, I, there was a lot of thought put into, you know, how can I make this book lighthearted? And also how can I, make this book, you know, almost read itself. Like, and that's um, like, because it's at some point you want the book to sing, like you want to be able to almost recite it. Like there are, there are books that I've read to my kids so many times that I don't even have to look at the words anymore because mm-hmm. I know what, to, I know what it's going to say. And those are my favorite books to read just because not only do the kid, my kids love them, but they also are like, they're easy. They're easy for me. So like, I certainly, you know, this, I, I certainly have thought about uh, like how, you know, that bedtime experience and sometimes the, the exhaustion that one, that a parent feels or the, you know, the, after a hard day, like how does that play into my process of writing it? And, you know, my editor sometimes says, I, I, I think way, I overthink things, but I, I, it, it is something that is, it's, it's a very real thing. And so it, I, I'm glad that it, uh, I'm glad that, uh, that a book that I've written has given parents this moment of like, oh, okay, now I can like reset or rethink yeah. how I'm doing all the things. So mm-hmm. yeah, without yeah, feeling so like good. it's supposed, like it's trying to do that. Cause sometimes, you know, right, yeah. you don't, you certainly don't want a book to hit you over the head <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or, or, or shame yeah. you or judge you. <laughs> 
So. Yeah. No, but I think that intentionality that, you know, I appreciate that wrestle that you've had to navigate with your editor about some of that intentionality and thinking through like, how is this going to be read? And how is this, mm-hmm. you know, just so many layers of it. And it's not just how it's read in terms of the words, but obviously the art that you have that's woven in, sure. the beautiful diversity that is elevated. And I know mm-hmm. that's, you know, the illustrators, but diversity in terms of race and ethnicity and ability and mm-hmm. um, gender and gender identity. And, you know, all of that is, it's beautiful. And it, it has, even that has opened so many questions and discussions with our kids in ways that, you know, are really helpful, I feel like, as parents to, to be, you know, having some of these conversations around diversity as well. Yeah. So that intentionality has been very much noted and appreciated in in our home, I would yeah. say, but I would imagine yeah. many others. So I know, and I know we're, we're just this kind of like pours out from some of the conversation that we've had, but this process of writing obviously doesn't only impact us, but, um, but obviously impacts those that we serve in the writing that we do. Um, I already mentioned that you know, my kids are huge fans and like they had, um, they were really bummed about not being like they're at school right now. So they're bummed about not being a part of this, <laughs> but like Callie had like two birthday party themes centered around your book. So one of them was when God made you and one was when I pray for you. And like, so cool. we like gave away copies. Yeah. Mm. And like fun little like favors that were tied to it. And anyways, it just, it's really sweet to see, you know, how it has served them. But then also, I think I've mentioned this to you before. I'm not sure. But but last August, like August 2020, I was asked to um, offer a prayer to start the new Baylor faculty cohort. And I uh, like, yeah, at the beginning of 20, uh, fall 2020. And I, I had said some things at the beginning, but then I ended up reading When God Made You to these faculty wow. um, no, as a I way don't think to. You did tell me that. That's oh, awesome. I did no, it. That's awesome. Yeah. And talking through, like, helping them see this within themselves, but then inviting them to see this same idea of how beautiful God made them as they are in the same way that, that God made their students as they are and how to meet their students in that way. And so, so just the, there's just so many, and I'm sure you just, you don't always know all the ways that, that your work is impacting others. But, um, but if there are other ways that you've, heard of this, these books impacting folks, we'd love to hear you kind of share maybe a couple of those in ways that maybe you weren't expecting. I've gotten, I've received lots of messages in, uh, of people using my books and, you know, so many of them are ways that, you know, I, that seem to make sense and other things are, you know, other ways it's like, wow, I don't know how I, I didn't intend or didn't think that this book would speak into that situation. But two emails that I, that I think about often are um, one was, I got an email from a father who from Massachusetts, who his, he and his wife had just gone through a, um, the the birth of their child, a child that only lived three hours. And wow. in the process of that little one's very short life, 
they read my book when God made you three times to her. Oh, wow. And, and I'm thinking in my head, like, Oh, like, wow. I'm so grateful that my book filled a, a, like a, a space in it for them in that moment or spoke to them in that moment. But I'm also thinking, Oh my gosh, like I would not have even thought like I would not have wanted to read my book. Like I would have thought like my book could, would have been hard, really hard to read um, to uh, mm-hmm. in that moment. Um, and so that, that really, um, that really impacted me, like just the, the thought of that. And then also on the other end of the spectrum, I had a, a minister reach out to me who had a week before walked through the end of life with a, a, a woman who was uh, just shy of 100 years old. And my book, When God Made You, was sitting on her bedside table. And she, and in the last days, um, this pastor was asked to read that book two or three times to her in her final days of life. Oh, my gosh. And I, again, I, with that, I didn't think, I didn't think that that, you know, we never thought that that would be a thing that would happen, you know. Um, that people, that old people would would read my book um, as they are crossing over. So, oh gosh, so yeah, man, I really appreciate you sharing that. Like just the whole, both of those examples and how they touch on the whole spectrum yeah. of humanity, right from birth. And I've had families of, of, of yeah. kids with, you know, or, or parents of transgender kids saying, tell me, telling me that this is the only book they read to their kids that are, mm. that is remotely about mm-hmm. God. And, you know, I've had parents of, you know, uh, of, of kids with different abilities tell me that, you know, that, that when my child saw the, you know, the little kid in the wheelchair in one of your books, like I, it, it, he felt less alone. Like, I mean, and, and so like, there's lots of those kinds of examples too, but yeah, no, the, those two stories in particular, they just sort of touch on this, this whole spectrum of what, of where a children's book can go and how sometimes yeah. it can speak into spaces that other, um, other pieces of art can't. Yeah. Gosh, that's so, so good. Yeah. I, I really appreciate you sharing those. And I I mean, we're going to, we're going to link obviously all of these books in our show notes. So, um, and encourage folks to listen to them or read them, but I do want, so I mentioned a little bit earlier that there are a couple of little ones who are super bummed (laughs) that they're not here to like in person ask you the questions, but, um, but I was able to thankfully get a recording of one of them. Um, and then the other one had a couple of questions. So I'll say the, the first one. Um, so Oliver, I didn't, I wasn't able to get a recording, but I called him while my husband was driving him to, to school and say, what would you want to ask him if you could ask him a question? Aww. This is my five-year-old son, Oliver. Okay. So he, he wondered, what's your favorite color and what's your favorite game? What's my favorite color? What's my favorite? I, I okay, I love this. Um, I 
I, you know, I'm a, a, as far as game, I'm pretty classic Uno fan. Like it's a, like it is, Uh it's one of those games that you can pick up and do at any time. Like all, like everyone in the family loves it on some level. And I just, there is just something, I don't know. It's quick. You can play, you can play three or four rounds of it, or you can play one and it's just, you know, it's like, Mm -hmm. I love that game. Um, yeah. As far as my favorite color, I, I'm uh, probably black. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. hey, me too. There you go. Yeah, probably yeah. black. <laughs> I, I, I just like I wear a lot of black. I, I use. I, I find a, yeah. I, I black is you know when you're paint like I paint some and I, I find that black is my most important color and so yeah I, I love the color black. That's awesome. Well, Oliver will be so excited to hear both of those responses. (laughs) And then the other, so we have one other little one. So Callie, I was able to record. And so I'm going to play it for our listeners and for you to get to hear this question or these questions. um, And then I'll let you answer. Hi, Matthew Paul Turner. This is Callie. I have some questions for you. Um, How many books have you made? And... Are you planning to make any other books? I really like all the books you make. They're super cool. I like, I just like them. And I hope you have a good day. Bye. That's awesome. Callie's the new co-host. Yes. She's coming on. <laughs> I, I, I mean, how cute is she? Like, that is unbelievable. Aww. But yes, yes, Callie. I have, I, so far, I have written six children's books and I have a seventh book coming out in March and it's called I am God's dream and it's um it starts out I am God's dream I'm a human sunbeam watch me light up this room with my confident gleam I'm strong and I'm brave I'm a one kid parade you might be surprised Oh, I, okay. I'm messing that up, but yeah, that that's that's how it starts. <laughs> okay, that's, oh my I was, gosh! I was about to ask, do you have like, is this right next to you no, that you're kind no, of working no, on, or is I, that just you had it in your mind? It had it in my mind, like you know, when you're writing that's children's books, then, you yeah. <laughs> you say it over and over and over again. Um, you know that you, I don't know, like you, it it starts to stick in your brain. All right, so that book comes out in March. It's already at the printer, and I am already in the process of writing another book and right now it is it's it's called you will always belong and so i i, I just there I, I it maybe it's my connection to Brene brown but belonging is something that i have um i just have had this thing like I, I've, I've thought a lot about it and what it means and and wanting my you know we all want our kids to to find home somewhere mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, find it, you know, find it in their own personal space and find it among their friends and among their family and among their, you know, the things that they do. And so like, that's something that I'm, that's, that's what I'm working on now. And, uh, you know, I, and I'm also, I have one more, at least one more book that I am finishing for Rachel Held Evans. Yeah. So. Oh gosh, that's so 
Well, for each of those, I mean, when you were reading just the first part of the next one that's coming out in March, I'm like tearing up just listening to you like read the first part of it. So, you know, we're going to see how that one goes when it comes <laughs> no, in. But- it, it is like this one, um, it, this this next book, I'm really like, I'm really excited about it um, because it it's my first book that I've written in first person. I I wanted to I wanted this to be a book that when it was read, it would be read in the child's voice that the child could own, mm. like they could feel ownership over it. Um, and like that these words would maybe perhaps feel a little bit more powerful or potent or you know, experiential because it's in first person. And so, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to see how people receive it because it's, um, I, it's, it, it, it might be, it might be one of my, the most personal and, um, personal books that I've written for children. And it's all certainly one of those books that I, um, I just, I really, really, really love. So, yeah. I love that. That's so good. Well, thank you for your, your answers to both Callie yeah. and Oliver's questions. They will be eagerly waiting to add more Matthew Paul Turner books to our shelves. So yeah, it's good news. and we got a, a sneak peek, a CXMH mm-hmm. exclusive there. I love that. Um, so this show obviously focuses on the intersection of faith and mental health. Obviously, the the faith component of your books we've talked a lot about, and I think is pretty obvious. But I'm curious if there are are, are any ways that you see your books intersecting with mental health, whether kind of formally or informally and kind of just shaping kind of our, uh, our identity and things like that. But I'm curious if, if that's something you've ever thought about and considered, or um, if there's any ways that you see that happening. Oh, I, because of my own story with, um, you know, the challenges I've had with anxiety and depression, and I, you know, I'm ADHD, that the idea of mental health and, and, and how I see it connected so closely with spiritual health and physical health and, you know, uh, emotional health. And so it's, um, I, you know, this next book, um, and, and I, it's funny, though, it's funny, like I, okay, so as I was writing this book, I Am God's Dream, I envisioned it in three parts. And it was um, the idea of body, mind, and soul. And, and I know that that's like, okay, yeah, that's, of course, yeah, makes a lot of sense, or, or, you know, that's pretty cliche, Matt, but it's, but how I was writing it, I wanted it to, I wanted it to, like, intentionally touch on the ideas that how we, you know, how a kid sees their body, how their kid, how a kid, um, you know, sees their, their thought process. Um, and how a kid sees their spiritual life. And like, um, for instance, um, like, you know, there each, each stanza has a, each part, each of the three parts has a a moment where I say, when I look in the mirror, I love who I see. I like how I look when I'm staring at me, my face and my skin and my big goofy grin. I love how I feel when I wiggle and spin. I love how my hair has a mind of its own, how it does what it wants despite gel and a comb. And I love how my eyes grow big and get wide. 
when I'm startled or mad or excited inside. Um, and so that's this, that's oh this body gosh. part, and, you know, and it says this body is mine and I'll treat it so kind. I'll value and love what I know God designed. And so, and then the, you know, and then I get into this mind part where it's like, I am God's light, like a spark. I ignite loved just as I am. I'm a star in God's sight. I'm delightful and smart. I am God's work of art. I'm going to live every moment with all of my heart. When I look in the mirror, I think of what's true, that God loves me and wants me to love myself too, that I was made to be free. And this brilliance you see, that's the light that exists on the inside of me. So I love who I am, the me deep inside, so quirky and curious, creative and kind, dramatic and clever, but neat hardly ever. I'm messy and clumsy, yet God calls me a treasure. Oh my God. Why are you so good at this? I know. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh my gosh. And so anyway, and I'll read you just the last little part, if that's okay. Do you want me to read? Yes, read, okay. please, please. Um, For sure. So, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to give you a real big taste of the last part, okay? I am God's child. I'm silly and wild. I'm one of the billions of reasons God smiles. I'm courageous and true. I'm a dream God pursues. You might be surprised what God knows I can do. When I look in the mirror, I can see what God sees. The human I know that God made me to be. I see my hands and my feet. I feel my heart make its beat. And in all that I am, I glimpse God within me. When I smile, when I cry, every time I'm shy, when I fall over laughing or dare to ask why, when I'm hopeful or scared, when I don't feel prepared, when you ask who I am and I bravely share, when I look at my friends and I see God in them, when I fall or I fail and I get up and try again, when I'm happy, when I grieve, when I struggle to believe every moment, Every day in me, God lives and breathes. So I'll love and be kind and in hope remain grounded. I'll fight the good fight and with faith move a mountain. I'll find joy and make peace and help justice increase. This fire inside me, I'll let God help unleash. I'll do all I can to build and to mend, to love what God loves, to heal and transcend. I'll use all I am to love stranger and friend and maybe help someone else see what God dreams for them. Cause God, cause to God, I'm divine, full of wonder and shine. I'll live every day with all heart, soul, and mind. Cause God made me, me. And I can't wait to see the dream that God dreams. The one God calls me. Oh my goodness. Do you do you want to just stick around and read to us all day? <sighs> that would be great, maybe. So so yeah, like so I definitely um, while it's not something that I'm like constantly thinking about regarding mental health, it is. It's I feel like it's etched within the very thing that I do, and so mm-hmm. like I I try to. Um, because I, I think that, you know, we have been given a faith that really, like, kind of downgrades self-worth. Like, mm. we, I was taught that I was gross in the eyes of God. 
And Mm. that's a message that we hear over and over and over again, that God made me, but I am a sinner. I am a, I'm disgusting in God's sight. I am filthy rags. I mean, it's a, it's a constant theme and the shame that is, has infiltrated the hearts and minds of people who grow up in church um, and their, and their, their view of self. And I, it's hard for me to, to, to imagine a God that creates us to also be a God that wants us to look in the mirror and see nothing but filth. And I, so I, how we think about ourselves, how God, how we view God's thoughts about us. That's a very big theme and passion for me. Um, and in, and in, in, in my own like presentation of, of God to my own kids, like I want them to, I want them to know how much God delights in them. I want yeah. them to believe that, that they are good. Yeah. That we could, that we, that we sometimes make awful choices that we have to, you know, think about and re reset and hopefully do better the next time. But that, but that deep, deep that the, 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 the truth of it is that we are made good and that God is, mm-hmm. that God delights in who we are. So, yeah. That's so That's, good. Yeah. Thank you for for reading some of those. Uh, I yes. know Holly and I both are just listening and, you know. Grabbing I, tissues. I, like, I think wait, we have to, and, we have to yeah. talk after this. Hold on. Yeah. yeah well, so so that, but to, but to give you an idea, like the like my publisher, like <laughs> one of the editors was like, you can't use the word transcend. And I'm like, you know what? Yes, mm. I can. Like, <laughs> yes, you can. Yes, and, yeah. and I, you can. And, and it's, it, I said, you know, it's because, because like, I think that having words that are a little bit outside the age group of the child is a really good conversation point for, for parents. Mm-hmm. Like they, they can explain that word and they can, you know, and so like, I, I, I try to include a, just a handful of words that are a little bit, you know, bigger than what they would, you know, that a kid would normally um, be able to comprehend and in hopes that those those words will spark good conversations. So, mm, yeah, that's so good. Yeah. Well, one thing that, that we love asking folks when they come on uh, just about all the good work that they're doing, right. And obviously you, you're writing all these books and uh, we've touched on this somewhat in terms of what your passion is and things, right. But as you think about all these books that you're writing and, and stuff like that, right. Like what's, what's your hope for these books and the work that you're doing? What, what's your hope for all of that? I, I I hope that I am helping to lay a, lay a foundation for a new understanding of who God is among our kids and families that it uh, that the that, that I'm giving that this that, that I'm giving parents and kids good words to believe and think over themselves that it will help make a shift in 
how we teach God to our kids and how we introduce God to our kids. Um, and, you know, I, I'll be honest, like I to, to try not to overthink all of that because I do think that there is this, um, like humility has been a, a thing that I have, um, I have found to be a very helpful, creative thing in my life. So like, I don't overthink all that kind of stuff. Like I just, I, I just like really work hard to find ideas that connect with me. And if they connect with me, I'm hopeful that they will connect with somebody else. Um, and if they, you know, if I, if I'm writing a book and, and I break down in tears in the middle of it, that maybe it's something of there's some good in it that will bring light and love to another individual or another family or another person reading it. So um, that's, I think that's what I think about when I, when I'm doing all of the, doing what yeah. I do mm-hmm. that I, you know, I, I mean, you know, like if I, if I'm being, you know, being asked the question, I, you know, I hope I'm making good change and leaving a good, a good imprint on the, on, 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 you know, on the life and the life of families and kids. But, um, at the end of the day, I, you know, I hope I'm connecting with the child in me and speaking to that kid. Mm. And if I can do that, I think I, you know, maybe it will reach and connect with others. Gosh, that's so, so good. Well, listener, if you would like to connect with Matthew Paul Turner, you can find him at MatthewPaulTurner.com or on Facebook or Instagram at Matthew Paul Turner or on Twitter at HeyMPT. Um, you can pick up any of his books, which we'll have a bunch of links in the show notes, but his most recent one um, is What is God Like, written with Rachel Held Evans. Uh, and you can pick that up wherever you buy your books. You can connect with Robert at robert-bohr.com or on any social media at Robert Bohr. You can connect with me at hollyoxhandler.com or on any social media at hollyoxhandler. Matthew, thank you again so, so yeah. much for joining us today um, and thank just sharing this me. time. Absolutely. Do you have any closing thoughts for our listeners? No, I'm just grateful to get a chance to, to be with you all. And thank you for such wonderful questions and please thank your children for their Mm. their like lovely thoughts and you know they're they're just um i don't know they they they're they seem like really really sweet humans and i hope i get to meet them someday thanks for listening to the cxmh podcast Want to score some major brownie points? Leave us five stars and an honest review on iTunes. Follow us on social media at CXMH Podcast and email us with questions, comments, and interview requests at CXMHPodcast at gmail.com. 